You're listening to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. In this episode, we chat about stem cells with our guest, Lauren Schnabel. Welcome to Veterinary Vertex. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Fortier, and I'm joined by Associate Editor Sarah Wright. Today, we have my very dear friend and colleague, Lauren Schnabel, joining us. Lauren, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yes, thanks for having me. All right, let's dive right in. So last time you were on the podcast, we chatted about pneumatic compression therapy in horses. And today, we're going to discuss your current Swan Health articles on mesenchymal stem cells. These are paired articles in JAVMA and AJBR. Please share with our listeners the background on these studies. Yeah, absolutely. So Dr. Drew Coe, who unfortunately couldn't make it to the podcast today because he's in surgery, but we worked together on these articles. So he uh, did a PhD in my lab and graduated recently and now is at uh, Colorado State University. Um, One focus of his PhD work, which is licensing of mesenchymal stem cells or how we can try to optimize uh, mesenchymal stem cell treatment. And um, so we had that for the research aspect and for the clinical component for JAVMA, uh, we worked on a review of kind of what we know about uh, tendon lesions in the horse, uh, why they are such a good model for measuring or, or evaluating healing using mesenchymal stem cells and how they might be different from other both veterinary species and humans. So um, that's how the two pieces came together and uh, they were very fun to write actually. Yeah, we appreciate you contributing that knowledge too to Javma and AJVR. They're fun for us to read as well. Okay, fun pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. People on social media also really like them. Just for the canine part, I mean, probably <laughs> TMI, but I was like, oh, my dog is perfect for this. So the canine <laughs> ultrasound images are actually one of my pointers. So yes, Very nice. <laughs> I learned a lot about canine tendon injury the hard way. Yes, I bet. I bet. <laughs> and then what were some of the important insights from these articles? Yeah, so in the JAVMA article, I think we really tried to share um, so general overview of anatomy, um, and then so horses specifically get these core lesions or kind of centralized holes, for lack of a better word, in their tendon, and how that's that's different from some of the other species that get mostly insertional disease or where the tendon actually inserts on the bone. But the way that horses have those core lesions is actually the perfect place to put stem cells because it's like begging for stem cells in this contained area and the cells can um, be deposited there with needle injection um, or other methods. And, and uh, it's, it's just a really nice way to study healing that way. And also very easy to evaluate on ultrasound and other methods. Um, so the JAVMA article really went over or that, and then also tips and tricks we've learned along the way things not to do. I've learned plenty of things not to do in my years in clinical practice, which I tried to share in that article as well when treating uh, horses with uh, these core lesions in the superficial digital flexor tendon. Also included some rehab guidelines. Of course, it has to be tailored to every you know, specific horse specifically, but general guidelines for rehab as well. Um, and then the AJDR article, uh, Dr. Ko really uh, did a, a deep dive on what's known about this licensing or stimulating of mesenchymal stem cells for other for the treatment of different diseases that are published in the literature. There's really very little for tendon, and that's been the focus of of his work. And then what we've done so far for tendon and where what the future of that looks like and our goals. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've done my share of. MSCs and these yeah. these two articles were really fascinating, so replete and insightful. 
really, really, really great. Uh, what specifically is, uh, stimulated your research interest in MSCs? Yeah, so I think from, you know, way back at Cornell, just wanting way back now, I'm getting old, um, but, you know, looking for a better way to heal these tendon injuries. So tendon injuries are incredibly common in the horse. Um, of course, resources are sort of overrepresented, but they occur in all different disciplines um, of horses. They're common and they're super debilitating. Um, and most importantly, they have a huge re-injury rate. So um, up to almost 70% in racehorses. And that's really devastating for both the horse and the rider slash owner or trainer. So um, to go through a year potentially of rehab and then have a 70% chance of that tendon being re-injured. So really exciting to think about ways that we could reduce that re-injury rate and heal tendons more effectively and more um, optimally. That was super exciting to me. And then I also love the comparative medicine aspect. So, um, you know, like thinking about how the horse compares to both human athletes and other species and how we can learn from each other. Yeah, thank you. We talked about the broad idea of regenerative medicine. What inspired you to narrow down and write these specific articles? Yeah, so I I think it was very timely with with, uh, Dr. Coe's defense as well. Um, So we were you know, really, we've had some very exciting results in the lab with this, with MSC or mesenchymal stem cell licensing. Um, so stimulating the the stem cells in the lab with certain uh, cytokines, and then looking at what they secrete and how um, that can affect tendon healing. And, and um, Drew had done all the in vitro work, and we're actually doing the in vivo study now. So it was just very timely. We were super excited about that. So we were like, let's focus on that as our, um, for the, especially the research aspect, and then tie that into what we know clinically, how we're treating the horses clinically now, but what we would want to improve on in the clinic as well. Yeah. I think, you know, when you write these types of review manuscripts, you still always learn something, whether it's somebody else's manuscript or it gives you time to ponder, as you just said, what do we want to do in the future? So what were the most surprising insights that you gained from these, from writing these two articles? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it was great actually to do an anatomy (laughs) review, as silly as that sounds, not of the horse, but of the other, like really how, you know, so we think about the superficial digital flexor tendon, it's a model for Achilles tendon in people um, and very similar to the dog, the gastrocnemius tendon and the common calcaneal tendon and superficial digital flexor tendon. It's a little more complicated, but it was, uh, it was great for me to review that anatomy and how they're similar and different that can help me writing some, uh, NIH grants in the future, probably. Um, and I teach the, an animal models, part of an animal models course, uh, here for the graduate school and I do tendon. Um, so I'd gone through some of that before, but it was actually great to to do another deep dive into that. I, I quite enjoyed that in writing the canine aspects and just really thinking critically about how how they are different um, from each other, both in in good and bad ways as far as treatment. Um, you know, and the the load that the superficial digital flexor tendon has to undergo in the horse is pretty tremendous. Um, and then for the you know, and then the the licensing article was was great. I mean that do it because Drew and I have been talking about it, but still going back through what's been demonstrated with licensed stem cells for the treatment of other diseases is pretty impressive. The results that they've seen in some of those models. So there's cardiac models, GI, colitis models. Um, 
And it's really exciting to think if if the same could hold true for tendon, how much we could actually optimize our stem cell treatment. And for our listeners just joining us, we're discussing stem cells with Lauren Schnabel. Lauren, how did your advanced training prepare you to write this article? Yeah, so I think that I think these two articles are a perfect example of clinician scientists. So, right, what my whole goal and what excites me about coming to work every day is is bringing what we do in the lab down to the clinic and translating that and have that benefit. Certainly, our equine patients, but hopefully as well, potentially you know, canine patients, and then maybe people at some point um, down the road. And I love that. Um, so, I feel like these two articles really highlight, you know, how those two can be combined and how what you learn in the clinic goes into the lab. And then what you go learn in the lab goes back to the clinic. Um, So yeah, I I thought that was, these were perfect for that. Very nice. This next set of questions is really important for our listeners. First one's going to be more about the veterinarian, the second one from the client. So for the veterinarian, what is one piece of information that should be known before discussing this topic with the client? Yeah. So these two go together a little bit. I was I have to think about how to answer them totally separately. Um, so, um, you know, I think for veterinarians, it's really important to know um, we still, there's no magic bullet for these tendon injuries, right? So we have really nice evidence in the literature now with two long-term clinical studies on racehorses, and they're highlighted in that JABMA article, um, that these stem cells do have a very important effect on tendon healing, both reduction in re-injury rate, return to racing, or return to sport athletic use. Um, But one thing I always want to highlight, and both to veterinarians and owners, or trainers is that, you know, this, this doesn't mean the horse gets back to work in less time, two months through, like you're still looking at the full rehab and that rehab is critical. You cannot skip steps, you know, or, or try to cheat on time. Our goal with the stem cells is to heal with tissue that's more normal, more functional, that's stronger, more elastic so that they don't re-injure so that they heal with, with tissue that's more, you know, close to um, normal tendon. So I always point that out because I feel like people have, you know, sort of a misconception that that stem cells can do everything or they're perfect and they do all these things and, and they do a lot of things, but we still have to be realistic about there's a lot of other important aspects. The management of the horse, the rehab is actually absolutely critical. Um, and then I did try to highlight in the JAVMA article, we talked a little bit about it briefly, but things that I've screwed up in the past, which are many, but um, even something as simple as like injection techniques. So just not forcing a large volume of stem cells or any regenerative orthobiologic into a core lesion. So it actually holds really a truly a very small volume. And as soon as you feel back pressure, you should sort of say, okay, that's good. Because if you force a large volume, it can actually split the fibers of the tendon and, and um, cause a little, a little more inflammation, et cetera. So you things, I tried to incorporate things like that, that I've learned along the way. That's great. And just a little plug here. If you ever want to show veterinarians the proper technique, we do have a technical <laughs> tutorial video. Manuscript category, so. Perfect. Yeah, we're feeling inspired. Let me know. I can help you. <laughs> and then the other side of the relationship, what is one thing clients should consider around stem cells? Yeah. So I think it, it is some of the things I said are, are very applicable to clients as well. So I always want to highlight the benefits um, that we know from those long-term studies about re-injury rate, but that, um, you know, still we're in the, in the lab, we're still seeking how to even optimize uh, therapies further. 
But I do, a lot of clients actually don't know that stem cells are often covered by insurance. It will depend, of course, on which policy you have, but most of them that cover orthobiologics or cover shockwave um, cover at least a fair amount of the stem cell amount. So that makes it much more accessible to um, to people, um, especially if, if their horses are insured. So that might be another thing that I would just throw in there. But then the same applies that again, just not to have the misconception that, oh, the horse, you know, my horse had stem cells. Now I can go back to doing this right away. I, or I don't have to do these other things. It's still a very comprehensive uh, treatment approach for any, especially significant uh, tendon injury. Very good. I learned a lot reading them. Thanks, Lauren. Andrew. (laughs) Yes, Andrew. Um, We're we're talking about MSCs. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that a true legend in the field, Arnie Kaplan, passed away recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Professor from Case Western and really inspired many, many of us. Uh, He was the first who isolated for tissue engineering purposes, MSCs from bone marrow. uh, And they were called stem cells and then stromal cells. And Arnie very funnily called them uh, most sexy Kaplan cells for MSCs, <laughs> yes. uh, me- medicinal signaling cells, all kinds of things, uh, kept uh, really just a true gentleman. So rest in peace, Arnie. Yes. Uh, and finally, Lauren, as we uh, switch, it's not really switching gears, but winding down, I wanted to ask you, uh, I don't even actually know this about you, despite all the years uh, we've known each other. Uh, <laughs> what was the first concert you ever attended? Yeah. I'm not sure, well, it may have not been the first, but like the first really memorable concert I can think of um, was Prince on Jones Beach. Oh, so, yeah. No, I mean, Prince is an amazing in concert, but it's also that Jones, if anyone, so Jones Beach is on Long Island, which I where I grew up, um, but it's an amazing venue. The stage is like in the water and it's this whole thing, but Prince was incredible. Wow. I'm super jealous. Yeah. Prince anywhere, but Prince and <laughs> yeah. Jones beaches would be yeah. truly amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. What was yours? <laughs> Get to turn the question back. <laughs> <laughs> Huey Lewis in the news. Oh, That's awesome. <laughs> and Rick Springfield was at the same one who I just saw was touring again. I was like, you were touring in the early eighties, buddy. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of like revival tours right now. I know. Cool. <laughs> yeah. They should stay home. <laughs> I'm oh, not going. <laughs> Sarah, are you going to date yourself and tell us yours? I was debating, but I said it's another episode. So some of our listeners may know this already, but my first one was Justin Bieber. I went to the B96 Jingle Bash in the Chicagoland area. And it was like a bunch of artists, but he was like the headliner. And it was, I don't know, he's probably like 13 or 14 or something. And I was around the same age. I so. think that makes us feel old. <laughs> Justin Bieber's like a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was a fun time. Definitely. But just thank you again, Lauren. We really appreciate oh, you. Drew's contribution to our journals. So thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And to our listeners, you can read Lauren and Drew's manuscripts in print Javma and on our journal's website. I'm Sarah Wright with Lisa Fortier. We want to thank each of you for joining us on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting-edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to. 